listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Care, lead, innovate, motivate, balance. These five tenants reveal ways of creating a more profitable and customer-centric pharmacy. What will you discover when you climb with RMS? Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Climb Podcast. I'm Brad Jones, the founder and CEO of Retail Management Solutions. With me to talk about Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company is the CEO of Hardig Drug, Charlie Hardig. Uh, welcome, Charlie. Hey, Brad. Glad- Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's glad to have you here at, at Climb again. Um, so let me give a little background. Uh, Hardy Charlie is uh, the fourth generation CEO of Hardy Drug. His grandfather or great grandfather started Hardy Drug in uh, 1904 in uh, Iowa. They have 23 sites today in three states: Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, and so you've been around. Your family's been involved in this for a very long time. Charlie and I have been talking about Mark Cuban's company and what the impact would have, and that's what we want to focus on today. Uh, as our viewers and and uh, listeners know, uh, there are a lot of problems in uh, in the pharmacy world, and it's it's an expensive f- prescriptions are expensive. Uh, I think most Americans know that uh, as Americans, we pay more for the same drug than any in any country in the world. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that. As industry insiders, we could open the can of worms of all the things that are wrong uh, that cause that. Um, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. We are not here to, to open that can of worms today. Uh, we're here to really talk about uh, what Mark Cuban is trying to do, what that impact is going to be. Is it going to be disruptive to independent pharmacy in particular? Uh, and and so let's just get started there. There's a lot of hype on this. I've read a lot of articles. There's a there's a, many in the media that think that this is going to be really disruptive. There are plenty of others that say no, it's really not going to be disruptive. And so what I want us to focus on, Charlie, is what your thoughts are and how you're going to be handling that at Hardy Drugs. So let's talk. Is it going to be disruptive? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing we probably need to do is. Uh, give credit to the the Mark Cuban company, his company, and 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 to say, you know, this is a an area where you know he sees a potential need, and given kind of the information that he and his team have, and and quite frankly, I this is you know there's probably some viability in this in this business model. Um, there's certainly a lot of gaps and problems, which I think we'll talk about, but. You know the idea of pulling out uh, insurance and PBM in in the pharmacy space is definitely a, a noble cause. I mean that's where a lot of the challenges in our profession stem from, right? Um, back in the good old days, as my dad would have said, you know when when we were typing up prescriptions on a typewriter and charging cash uh, for most prescriptions, prices were fairly in line with uh, general cost of goods. Um, that's obviously healthcare costs have skyrocketed over the last several decades. Um, and part of that reason is the, the middlemen of PBMs and insurance carriers and, and other sorts of, uh, you know, uh, insurance vehicles, I guess I'll say high deductible plans is a great example. 
Um, so I think the idea of offering a, a, a cash, simple mail order solution is, is not a bad one. Uh, that said, I, I don't think it's very new. Um, you know, PillPack and Amazon have, are in that market. Uh, discount cards and other mail order groups have been in that kind of market as well. Um, even GoodRx, you could argue GoodRx to some degree is is kind of trying to drive a, a, an affordable cash, quote, quote unquote, cash uh, amount or or payment from patients. Uh, <clears throat> so there's definitely uh, probably the need for it, but I would tell you that I, I don't think necessarily uh, these types of uh, organizations and, and new business strategies are really anything all that new. Um, it doesn't make it any less uh, dangerous or competitive for independent pharmacies, but it's something that I think independent pharmacies have been um, dealing with and, and, and combating and probably fairly successfully so over the last several years. Um, uh, Hearted Drug has uh, strategies in place to kind of work through uh, these cash uh, or, or uh, cash plans like like the Mark Cuban plan or the, the Amazon plan or, 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 you know, when we really started, it was the $4 Walmart list. I mean, that's sure. really the same type of problem. Um, so when you see what Harding has done in the past and you see other independents, I mean, a lot of times we'll price match or create our own $4 list for medications that we can, we can, we can meet and match. Um, and we still do that today. We still have uh, 30 counts of omeprazole uh, for us for that, and that's at $4. Um, okay. And, you know, we compete with groups like Walmart and Hy-Vee on a daily basis on that plan. And so to some degree, the, the Mark Cuban cost plus drug model is, is really not that much different. Well, and it's interesting because I think depending on which article you read or which headline you read, um, it's it varies in, in, in the details. And the thing that, uh, you know, we want to make sure everybody understands is really this is just for cash prescriptions. Right. And it's a, and it's it's a hundred different drugs. It's uh, even, yeah. And Brad, it's even more niche than that. It, it, it's it's cash for only like 70 to 100 different NDCs. And um these are being touted as the ones that are exorbitantly high priced. That was how the model was originally delivered, right. at least to my, to my understanding, right? So he's picking generic Gleevec and, and other drugs like um, Abendazole that are, that are, that are um, really, uh, uh, the prices have been jacked up in, in general historically because maybe there's only one manufacturer in the market. Gotcha. Um, and it's important to know that Mark Cuban right now is not a drug man. Mark Cuban cost plus drug does not have a drug manufacturer. Um, in fact, they're not making any drugs right now. They're sourcing them all from the same places that independents source them, same places okay. that, that we can buy drugs today. So well, and, to, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, there is a, an article in the Washington Post and the author of this article talked about generic uh, Gleevec and said, you know, he, he is, his company is offering it for uh, 1710 a month. And, um, and it says that the list price is north of $2,500. So this is just a huge savings. Um, but that $2,500 list price isn't a, a real, a real price. Can you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hope the guy from the Washington post isn't listening, but that's kind of sloppy journalism, I guess is what I would say. <laughs> um, when you look at these list prices, you're talking about the UNC price, every, every independent pharmacist in, uh, that's going to listen to this, or, uh, you know, it's going to have to watch the recording at a later time knows that UNC price is not an accurate price of, of what things cost or an accurate price of, of, of what usually pharmacies are reimbursed. 
Um, it's not like pharmacies are making 25,000 for generic Levic. If we were, I'm in the wrong business, um, yeah, right. focusing on the wrong stuff. Um, so, you know, these retail prices that you see on Mark Cuban pharmacy, cost plus pharmacy are inflated for a purpose. It's a marketing purpose, right? It's, it's trying to show and dictate value where that value may really not be there. Um, even when you look at the costs of the drugs that the company is is holding out, I mean they are good costs. They're they're fairly low costs. Uh, that said, um, you know, eighty five plus percent of the U.S. population is insured, and most of those costs are still higher than than the average person's copay or co cost insurance obligation. So you're not talking about um, tapping into three hundred thirty million million Americans. You're talking about tapping into uninsured and under underinsured Americans. Uh, that's not really, you know, where most people, it's just a, a good thing to remember. You know, you're not talking about a, a marketplace of, of everybody. You're talking about a marketplace of, of a pretty substantial small size in comparison to the entire country. Right. And, and in, in fact, I think you know, when we were talking before, uh, you mentioned a couple of drugs uh, that, you know, represent that are on that list that, you know, out of your 23 pharmacies and hundreds of thousands of patients, uh, you dispense, you know, 100 times a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of them are very rare. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the reasons why the prices have kind of bumped up and been inflated because you may only have one maker and one manufacturer in the market. Um, and, you know, that's an essential monopoly, right? I mean, that, that person can charge pretty much whatever they want. Martin Scarelli went to jail for that. Uh, he, right. he, he had the single source for one generic and it was raised 5,000%. So the answer is yes, there's the, the idea of, I think the original idea, as I recall, in, in Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Pharmacy, I'm just going to start calling it Cost Plus Pharmacy because Mark Cuban's <laughs> Cost Plus Pharmacy is a mouthful. Yeah, so the, right. <laughs> the, the, the main premise in cost plus pharmacy was essentially let's go find these 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 really high cost generics. Let's bring down the list price and let's let's sell them to some people for an affordable price. And I think that that's a very noble cause. I think that is a that's a great thing to do. And 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 um, I think a lot of pharmacies, uh, independent uh, primarily, have been doing that for years with with not a lot of fanfare. Um, ever since the anti-gag clause that the Trump administration passed. A lot of pharmacies are, you know, they're looking, looking at patients staring down the barrel of a $200 copay. And they're saying, I bought this drug for $80. Well, why don't I just charge them 100 cash and save the guy $100? And I, I make 20. And you know what? The insurance company gets zero and, and, and we all have a good day. I mean, I think that that's been happening probably more frequently than, than most would suspect. Um, you know, also, I think that you see a lot of, of, other players in the market who are already there. Um, Amazon has a $6 list. GoodRx using PBM networks has managed to, to bring down these, these prices over the counter, but you know, much to the detriment of pharmacy, because we're paying high, you would pay high admin fees on, on GoodRx. Hard drug does not accept the GoodRx card at this point in time, because we just can't afford the admin fees. Um, but there are a lot of ways to combat, you know, there's a number of different strategies that you can use to combat these, kind of $4 generics, the cost plus pharmacy pricing. Um, you know, you can use price matching. You can find uh, and develop a discount card program yourself, um, much like CVS and Walgreens and, mm -hmm. and, and a number of the, the chains have. Uh, Harding Drug has its own discount card program, uh, which we use to kind of combat a lot of these, these 
processes as well. For for a for a single or you know two store independent, um, is that is that a doable thing? Yeah, it's totally doable. Um, and and can you just briefly describe how you know how one would do go about this? Sure. There's there's a few discount card groups in in the market, and I'd be happy to if anyone's listening and they want more information, I'm happy to give it to them. I I, I hate to give a promotion for one card over another, sure. but a lot like, there are there are groups that will basically say we're going to offer a discount card. The rates are going to be set at X, you know, and those rates can be negotiated at arm's length with the card, uh, the discount card carrier. And um, it essentially creates a, uh, a negotiated rate um, and, a, and a reimbursement that the pharmacy can can, you know, cover their costs and including drug costs and overhead on an aggregate level. And it gives some consistency to uh, what would be considered a kind of a cash price or a discount card price. Um, in some sense, buyer beware, right? Because you're still going to be having admin fees and you're still going to have some, you know, formulary restrictions. And also you're going to have some elements uh, where branded products are just quite frankly too expensive. Um, but, but in, by and large on the, in the generic market, a discount card solution for a uh, independent is, is a, is a manageable process. I think you just need to be very cautious about which type of discount cards you pick and, and, you know, determine who's your friend and who's not your friend. And, and, and that sure. that's probably easier said than done, but it's definitely doable. Okay. Um, so, you know, when, when we're talking about this, uh, the, uh, you know, I asked, is this going to be disruptive? We kind of addressed that at Harding drug. What are you telling your pharmacists how to handle this, how to handle a patient that brings this up? Uh, and are you, you know, is there anything proactive? Uh, that you can that you can do sure uh you know i mean the first thing i think there's a couple of roadblocks i think to say say that this is going to be an extremely disruptive model the, f the first is just the number of drugs right so you're only going to have 100 SKUs of medication or 100 ndcs and um you know most people who are who are on medications over you know 55 or 60 i think that i think the data suggests that they're on four plus the likelihood that all four of those are going to be the hundred that cost plus pharmacy carries is very, very low. Um, you know, the same happens at the $4 list for, for the Walmarts and the Walgreens of the world. And the same happens uh, in Amazon land. Uh, you know, just the reality is, is they're not offering all these drugs at these low prices. They're just advertising the ones that are low priced. Um, so it's really important. The first thing to do is to make sure that a patient has done their diligence or the pharmacist has done the diligence for them uh, and say, you know, this is a little bit of a bait and switch, or this is a little bit of a lot, you know, they're taking some loss leaders on some of these products and then the other ones are going to jack you up. Uh, and the price isn't going to be exactly <clears throat> as affordable. Uh, the other thing to remind patients is if you have insurance, you should be looking at your insurance plan, understanding what your cost sharing obligations are, whether it's co-insurance, uh, which is a percentage or a co-payment, which is a flat fee. And in many cases, um, the copayment is going to be less. Specifically, in most Medicare and Medicaid plans, the payments will be less. So that's a large number of the population who, you know, won't benefit from a cost plus pharmacy type model. And also, they're not accepting Medicare and Medicaid in these models. So right. you could go there if you wanted to. Uh, the next thing I always had mentioned to my pharmacist and when I mentioned to a patient, you know, is 
is you're not going to get any of your controlled drugs. You're not going to get any diabetic test strips. You're not going to be able to get any insulin or anything that's temperature sensitive. Um, you know, eye drops, ear drops, all these things. And so, yes, you could cherry pick one or two medications to go to a, a cost plus pharmacy like uh, Marcuse Cost Plus Pharmacy or uh, Amazon or, or, or another, but you're going to be managing multiple points of care uh, yourself. And many patients just get too confused when they're on too many, if they're on multiple medications. And also yeah. that fragmented, fragmented care can, can cause some clinical issues. Um, I was in the pharmacy earlier this morning. I uh, caught a caught a mistake written by a doctor. If one of those would have gone to cost plus pharmacy and one goes to my pharmacy, that interaction might not have been caught. So there's, there's a, some legitimate clinical concerns about fragmenting care as well. And I understand people need to watch their pocketbooks, especially in, in kind of the world we live in with inflation and, you know, the, the economy where it's at today. But at the end of the day, there, there is some legitimate value for keeping your prescription medications in, in one spot. Um, and any pharmacist, chain, PBM, retail, hospital is going to tell you that too. And I think that, that brings me to that, you know, what can independent pharmacists do to educate their patients? And can we be proactive as an industry uh, in, you know, in educating on this type of thing? Yeah. So I think the first thing uh, pharmacists should be doing, you know, is, is addressing, you know, requests to transfer um, directly and accurately. So if someone says, well, I've seen this cost plus pharmacy, can you transfer my prescription there? Or can I have my, can you get my doctor to send me a new prescription there? That is, um, you know, a great education opportunity to say, are you really sure? How much are you sure it's going to cost? Um, you know, are you going to get it timely? You know, there's been several times where maybe you forgot to refill your medicine and I can fill it in a day or two, uh, or, you know, within the afternoon or sometimes 15 minutes after you call me, uh, you know, it's going to take quite a bit more long quite a bit more time to uh, get something processed and shipped from Houston, Texas to wherever you live, right? Um, you also lose face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, the statistics on how many people actually talk to a pharmacist from a mail or a pharmacy are abysmally, abysmally low, like point something percent. Um, and, you know, you're seeing a pharmacist every time you walk in uh, when you receive your prescriptions. And not every person really appreciates that interaction every time, but when someone's late on filling a medicine or early, you know, that's a great opportunity for us to ask some questions about clinical concerns. Uh, today, I had somebody come in for an inhaler early. We were able to fill it, but I asked them, are you taking your, your, your underlying maintenance medications, your, your, your Advair, generic Advair uh, inhaler, which is supposed to help you not use the rescue inhaler so much, right? So those types of interactions do not happen. And those types right, of interactions right. can actually keep people out of hospitals or people, people from asthma attacks specifically in that, in that instance. So you lose that. And, and there's a, a ton of value there. Um, quite frankly, value that pharmacists have never been paid for or compensated for, which probably should be uh, right, that's right. a story for a different day. <laughs> right. Um, for sure. You know, I think the other component is, you know, you have to consider that, that this is already in the market and so when someone says, I want to go to, Mar uh, I want to go to a cost plus pharmacy and, and get my medications mailed, I think you'd say, well, why is that any different than going, you know, coming here for a discount card that we have, or maybe a price match, you know, sometimes independent pharmacies are, are great about price matching opportunities as long as they're above cost. And, and there's a little bit of margin there to keep the lights on. And I think that, um, 
you know, that's another option when you're talking to a patient about this. Um, we've also had some good success in talking to uh, physicians and explain to them the value that we provide, uh, you know, outside of just filling and licking and sticking and pouring. So, you know, with independence, you know, guerrilla marketing is much more effective. Um, you know, if Mark Cuban's face uh, or if uh, GoodRx are blasting their their uh, their ads on Hulu, you know, that, that's that's a kind of a broad brushstroke uh, campaign tactic. You know, we can visit with our our physician partners uh, when we're at church on Sunday, right? And talk to them and say, "Hey, you know, Doctor So and So, you know, these we're seeing some people leave for these medicines, and you know, we're a little concerned that their adherence is going down. Will you make sure to check? And by and large, the physicians find that you know maybe people aren't as uh, adherent when they're using a male pharmacy or not. But that that's very much uh, another step that independent pharmacists can take in combating uh, this. One of the tricky things I think is that really you don't understand the bleed uh, to when people go to a, a mail order pharmacy, because many times we don't transfer the prescription to a mail order pharmacy. Some, some mail order pharmacies actually have a practice where they will contact the doctor for new prescriptions. So you'll never even know some of your patients leave until you haven't seen them in two or three weeks or you know a month. And so that's something we haven't really figured out yet. Um, you know, the, the big question is how many people are, are not walking in your door because they saw a good RX ad and then they asked the doctor to, to send a prescription to, they go online and check good RX and then they said, tell the doctor to send it to Walgreens. Um, I don't have a good number for that. And I, I'm not sure, sure. sure anyone has, has figured that out in terms of uh, have the, I'll call it the bleed or the shrink from, from patients right. for those, from those large marketing campaigns. Well, I thought, I thought, I think, you know, your, your comment or your thoughts on uh, independence, you know, getting with the, the, the uh, doctors that are writing them the most of those prescriptions for their area. And that really, I'm sure is true in rural areas. Um, that's a great strategy because being able to, to have that interpersonal rea- uh, interaction, if they get that call, you know, they can talk to the patient before they transfer the prescription and make sure that they really want to do this, that they're considering all things. So educating yep. the doctors, I think that's, I think that's a great, great idea. Um, and then I, I have to think that educating the patients and I, get, I agree, it's, this one's a harder one. Uh, you know, do you, do you have signage that says, ask us, you know, ask us about cost plus pharmacy or ask us, you know, about, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we, we don't yet. I mean, <laughs> I, I can say uh, before this call, I, I did look at all of our transfers in our pharmacies and we've not yet transferred a prescription to the market and cost plus pharmacy. Um, we've transferred less than uh, my two hands of Amazon. Um, and, and, and so I, I know that that's those, those threats are out there. Um, and, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying that once people use our pharmacy, um, you know, they're very rarely switching except for insurance issues. Um, you know, obviously first of the year is still fresh in my mind and we're still going through it, but you have a lot of people who move medicines, uh, medication profiles from pharmacy A to pharmacy B because uh, the insurance company, Express Scripts, Caremark, Optum, whichever you pick, 
take your pick. It's usually one of those three. I right. narrowed the network and said, you're no longer in network. Um, you know, usually without us even knowing it. Um, that's, that's really common. And, but that's not a, but that's a little bit of a red herring. That's not a cost plus, uh, you know, problem. Right. It's not a good RX problem. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, and, and, the uh, even if somebody who's on insurance were to decide that they think they might want to do that, they got to remember that those people have to remember that you know this. If anything, they buy from from uh, Cost Plus is not going to go towards their their out of you know their yeah, yeah. out of pocket costs. So um, yeah, um, these are and these aren't easy conversations to have, right? I mean, right. pharmacists aren't 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 usually huge self promoters. Um, you know we're we're a pretty quiet bunch when it comes right down to it. And um, it's much easier to frame the conversation about care and fragmented care. And it's also much easier to frame the conversation about access um, and, and, and having access to your pharmacist and having a pharmacist who actually is knowledgeable about your disease states and what you're taking. If I know Joe Smith has been on a Torvastatin for 10 years um, and, it, and, and I get a prescription for something different, well, that's definitely a call to the doctor to make sure it wasn't a mistake. And by and large, and, and it, may, it may be a mistake or it may be a change. It may be a good change. And, and, and we need to talk about why that is changed for him. Um, you know, diabetic patients are incredibly complex. And, you know, if, if you're getting one or two medicines in the mail and you're getting the rest somewhere else, I mean, it just, it can really change, change the game. Um, so I think it's really important that we frame initial conversations about, uh, using these, using mail order cash uh, pharmacies in, in that frame, that clinical concerns, because they are legitimate. And then following it up with, you know, education about, well, hey, you know, this, this really isn't that expensive. Um, you know, I've, I've seen people switch for pen, pennies uh, difference. And I, you know, I couldn't convince them otherwise, but at least I made the conversation happen and I took the effort. Sure. That's, that's I think, all you can do. Well, and I think, you know, and this, I think this is just generally true in business. Um, the, creating the relationship is, the, is important. Uh, you know, pharmacists continue to be in the top three and usually the number one most trusted profession in the country. Um, utilize that. Utilize the fact that you're highly respected uh, and trusted and, you know, continue to engage with patients. Uh, it is so much more than filling, you know, moving tablets from one bottle to another bottle and slapping on a yeah. label, right? It's so much more than that. And, and, uh, and I think pharmacists absolutely have to, uh, whether they like it or not, um, they have to engage. And uh, even if you're not getting paid for it, kind of the, the, the pay is that you get to keep the customer. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, there's a, I mean, there's still a level of, you know, the, the communicate and also just, it may not even be face to face. I mean, I think there's a lot of pharmacies, you know, there's most community pharmacies and independent pharmacies, the people who come in value the face to face interaction, but even, but even more so than that, it's the, it's the little things, it's the communication. It's the, you know, I, Hey, I have to build, can you deliver this in this? Yeah, we can deliver, but I'm out today. I need one by 6 PM. Can someone drive it over, you know, before, and, you know, maybe you have a technician who lives two blocks away and she's leaving at the four 30. She's like, well, I'll drop it off. Right. right. I mean, right. those little tiny, you know, you know, those little tiny changes in convenience and service oriented tactics sound so, you know, so nominal, but when, you know, it's, 
all coming via UPS or FedEx or USPS and it gets there when it gets there and a hub shuts down for two days because everyone's got Omicron, COVID, like our FedEx distribution centers backed up. I mean, there's a lot of processes in, in that chain that can go wrong. Certainly things go wrong in independent pharmacy as well. But, you know, there's a lot more ability to adapt at, at, at the level of you're, you're in town, you're on the ground, uh, you're going to take care of the patient and you can fix things within the day uh, in most cases or by next day when you can get your prescription in the order. Sure, sure. Okay, well, I think, um, you know, we, we're, we're kind of out of time. Uh, do you have uh, last word, anything else you didn't cover that you would like to, to comment on? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of put a bow on it. I mean, I think I think that Cost Plus Pharmacy is, you know, it's it started as a really interesting and exciting opportunity. Um, you know, I, I would like to just point out that there have been folks that have been doing this before Mark Cuban's gotten the game. Um, you know, besides the four dollar list that have come out from all the big boxes, um, you got uh, folks. You know, I've, I've seen articles in social media about you know folks like Blueberry Pharmacy uh, in in Pennsylvania, and, and he's done a really um, interesting and, you know, really exciting opportunity just to, to basically take an independent pharmacy to say, we're not going to accept insurance and we're going to, we're going to do the same thing. And by and large, you know, it appears successful. I, I have never talked, I've never met, um, I believe his name is Kyle. I've never met him, but, um, it seems like he's creating a, a thriving business. And, um, I think that, uh, you might see more independent pharmacies moving to a, a cash only or a membership only model, especially if, if, uh, insurance continues to, uh, compress margins in the independent pharmacy space, which, you know, does not appear to see much relief. Um, albeit we'll see a lot of changes in the, at the state level with, uh, the Rutledge decision in the Supreme court and right. a lot of states like West Virginia just passed a really great PBM bill and hope to, Hopefully that continues. Uh, we're trying to do the same thing here in Iowa. Great. Well, Charlie, I really appreciate your thoughts, your time. Um, yeah. It's been great. And I hope that you viewers and listeners uh, you get something out of this. Uh, don't panic, uh, but don't, don't pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. I think. I, yeah, um, agreed. I think sticking your head in the sand on this one would probably be um, short-sighted. I think you still want to have a strategy and, and start thinking about talking with your staff. And saying how are we going to tackle, um, you know, kind of the good RXs, the Mark Cuban cost plus pharmacies, the Amazons. I mean, it would it would behoove you to at least have a plan. Um, and and you know, we're we have a plan. I wouldn't say we execute it perfectly every time, but we, we have we have a a plan, and try and we try to do what we can do to to keep patient to keep patients happy, to save patients money, and to uh, to to make sure that they uh, get the care that they need, care they deserve, really. Right. Okay. Well, thanks again, Charlie. Have a terrific day and, and uh, hope to have you back soon. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.